we have an educational platform where we create content that will provide that information to people and give them a step-by-step tutorial on how to do that. Sometimes uh, if someone is in great need, like we'll actually get on the phone with them or get online with them and walk them through that whole process. Okay. So this... Uh, so so is... another name for your product is Crypto Made Easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's the Crypt- theme, right? Crypto for yeah. dummies. One. Yeah. Welcome to a bit cryptic podcast where we interview top crypto experts to take you down the rabbit hole into the world of cryptocurrency. Now, it's time to get a bit cryptic. Hey guys, this is Jeff Peterson, and I'm here with my co-host, Alain Leon, aka Bitcoin Van Gogh. How are you doing, dude? Doing good. And we are with a very special guest today who is probably one of the most unique business models I've seen in the crypto space thus far. And we've seen a couple on this show. Today we're with PK Banks, former trader, financial analyst, and now co-founder of a company called Cblocks, which is a crypto starter kit that is allowing people to buy a mystery box of cryptocurrency to gift to their loved ones and or themselves because we love ourselves and this is 2018 so we gift ourselves thing though of course <laughs> so how's it going hey jeff hey Elaine. it's great to be here how are you doing wonderful I'm, I'm glad we finally got set up this we're in a new studio right now and we had to play a little bit of improv with the mic setup and after about half an hour of fiddling around we just basically gave up and are run all surrounded by one mic so hopefully the mic quality turns out okay but no, I think it'll turn out okay. But uh, going back to your point, when you first mentioned what he was doing, and now that, I, that I'm that i actually able to see the product, I thought it was very unique. I did have uh, some questions to ask him. Hopefully, we can get to it today. Yeah. First, I want to dive into a little bit about your story and, and how this came to be, what you guys are doing now, because I think it'll make more sense in context. Sure. So tell us about your background, PK. Great. So my background is in finance. I had just under 10 years of experience on Wall Street going through fixed income products. I was a trader at multiple hedge funds, uh, managing a lot of money through like the mortgage surge and meltdown. So I got to, I got to see a lot of the different facets of the finance industry and how all that works. That was an incredible experience. It was about five years ago that I transitioned into technology. I started to learn to code and it was in that process that I was introduced to Bitcoin first and then of course, all these other cryptocurrencies that have come about in the last couple of years. Super exciting. I found it to be a natural interest of mine, having a background in finance and then tech, uh, to get more interested in and devote more time into cryptocurrencies. I guess like I, I can share with you like how I got my first Bitcoin story, but like like uh, everybody, it was a friend of mine kind of had to hold my hand through it all. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, went on Coinbase and everything. Uh, but what's really interesting is it took me about six months to get used to, to get comfortable with it. What year was this? This was in 17. So okay. I first heard of Bitcoin around Mount, Mount Gox. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Silk Road. Yeah. And that's, it's always about Silk Road and Mount yeah. Gox. It's, <laughs> it's, never, it's never like, wow, look at this great technology. Yeah. It's always like, look at all this bad shit that's going that's down. That's going around. Buy some. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what else? Back then, it wasn't as much about the price as it was about like what you could do with it. Yeah. What I remember back then was was not like, hey, this is how much it's worth. It was, 
you use it to to buy stuff online, yeah, to buy right? Drugs the, the nefarious aspects of it, right? <laughs> and and actually back Internet then, drugs, guys, <laughs> buy Bitcoin. And, and back then, everything was about like mobile apps, mm-hmm. right? And so I was actually much more interested in app development, and I was pretty dismissive of Bitcoin at the time. And then in seventeen, I was part of that tide that as it went from a thousand to many thousands. And all along the way, like my tech friends were telling me, like this is really cool. You should look into it. So I, I bring that up because there are still a lot of skeptics, right? And, and a lot of people either don't quite understand the technology or they're just, they're just not there yet on, on the comfort level. And so I was very much like a part of that group for, okay. for about six months, right? Yes. And, and I think a lot of that was my instinct of having seen a financial meltdown, uh, having seen what it's like to, to sort of be caught in a bubble. My first impulse was to think of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency very much the same way. Mm-hmm. Okay, but now, PK, you said you didn't come straight from finance into Bitcoin. <sighs> you went from finance into coding. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So even with that experience, you, you were still <laughs> hesitant. Yeah, yeah, because all I saw was the, the price just moving up every day. Okay. So naturally, it can't, you know, it can't sustain itself. And this is, you know, a very dangerous thing. What it required for me to get comfortable was I needed to understand at a core level what what the principles are, Mm -hmm. what a blockchain is, how it works, how it's useful, Bitcoin in particular, like how it works and what it's useful um, in what ways it's useful and beyond just like making transactions on the Silk Road Mm -hmm. and beyond just, you know, the fact that it seems to be going up every day. And so for me, it took that kind of technical expertise to get comfortable with it. Hmm. The thing is, I don't think most of us have that time or skill set to do that. Yeah, that's a very high level, um, particularly for um, for a lot of beginners. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I understand some of the technical aspects, but I'm not a coder. And like you two guys in the room are the coders. And I, yeah, I think yeah. most people at some point, they're like, um, well, I just, believe my friend i have i have faith in my friend and i'll go ahead and buy this little bit right so you know now wow now we've entered in this other phase this like very long drawn out bear market yeah. where you know it's easy to sort of be dismissive of of the currency and the technologies and uh, the truth is i i can understand how how it feels to to sort of feel like this is a this is a very dangerous thing to play with we shouldn't we should be very cautious with cryptocurrency and in that way, like C blocks came out of a spirit of saying, this is too hard for people to understand. We can't responsibly expect people to put their wealth or resources uh, towards something that they don't understand. And so the team that came together and sort of developed this product, we, we came about it as having an approach that said, let's make something that people can understand. And that's like how you can gain a foothold into the mindset of someone who says, I don't know how it works, but I'm comfortable with it. And that's where we can start, right? Mm-hmm. Let me ask you one question. So to me, it almost seems that you're skipping a step <clears throat> in the sense that you're already saying, let's put this product out there. Yeah. Right? yeah. So there is a demand, but but why did you want to put that product out there? Yeah, sure. First, so uh-huh. uh, that's a great question. Let's go through what the product is. And that way we can sort of dig a little bit deeper into you know how it's useful and what it's meant, meant to do. Sure. Okay. So a C block is, is what we sell. It's a physical product. And the way in which it's ordered is like through a traditional e-commerce experience. Now, this is very different from anyone, like anyone who's had to buy a cryptocurrency 
They understand that they have to go through an exchange. Right. You have mm-hmm. to buy in Coinbase, <laughs> Coinbase and you buy it on an exchange. And sometimes it's a shady, like decentralized exchange. And yeah. yeah and, and for our listeners, we're going to try and see if we can get a picture of this so you can see it because it is actually very cool. I, I like the design. I like the way it looks. It's a, a key that's a USB drive and, and, and it's very cool. So yeah. it is physical. You can, you're going to be holding something physical. Yeah. So at the end, our, our customer is going to have something delivered to their door and, and it will eventually have cryptocurrency on it. And, and so the key point there is just from the get go, right? Instead of having to place an order for cryptocurrency as though you're a trader, mm-hmm. it's very different from say placing an order for a product. Right. Most of us, we're not traders. Most of us don't know what it means to look at an order book or to analyze candlesticks. And, and right there, you, you're going to sort of make it difficult for people to get involved. Okay. So what we did was we took away all those sort of difficulties and we said, let's just make it like you're buying something online. Right. Okay. So what we do is a customer will, will choose from one of, uh, like three preset amounts. Okay. $250, $500, and $750. So is, is there a limit? The limit for now is one of those okay. uh, amounts. For people who want to buy more than that, uh, we usually ask them to hold off because this is not at all meant to be an investment product. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not, I'm not offering investment advice. This is even be irresponsible if you sell more. <laughs> right, right. And so the, the theme from the very beginning is let's not market this as a way to make money. Okay. Let's, let's actually present this as a way to learn. Okay. Uh, and to get involved and as something as a product as opposed to an investment. So you have the people who buy this will have a little bit of skin in the game to get them motivated. Yeah. But if it burns up, they're not, yeah. they're not in trouble. Yeah. And so once they decide on what amount they want to buy, we'll go ahead and behind the scenes, grab five random cryptocurrencies, five mm-hmm. out of the top 100 by market cap. And we'll load those five random crypto for you on the USB drive and send it to your house, right? And then it's it's yours. Like you get to own them. The private keys are on those on that device. No one else has them. And, and so that also ensures like a degree of security that comes with it. Instead of having it just rest on your phone in a hot wallet or in the custody of some third party, right? Mm -hmm. And so in that process in itself is a whole lot of education without the user needing to be encumbered by all the details of how to do that, right? If anyone, if any of your listeners have ever had to set up either a cold storage wallet or like a a paper wallet Mm -hmm. or have had to, you know, take their own currency off, off an exchange, Mm -hmm. You'll know, like, it's really hard. Yeah. It's, a high, it's, it's a high learning curve. Yeah, yeah. A, I still have to explain it to family members and yeah. newbies, and it's, it's a high learning curve. It was for me. Every exchange I go on, I have to watch, like, a YouTube video on how to, like, use yeah. that exchange because <laughs> it's all these different. Yeah. So what's amazing is there's a lot of layers involved, but we don't we don't sort of tell the consumer that all of this is happening. We just make them happy because we say, here's a box, and in the box is a USB drive, and that USB drive has crypto on it. And people are amazed at how easy that is. They're like, this is awesome. Otherwise, you would have to tell them you have to register at an exchange. You have to send crypto there. You have to submit orders. You have to create a paper. Like, it's just so many steps. Okay, so right. what, what's the next step? So I get the USB drive. Mm-hmm. Now I know, oh, somehow, you know, 
my money is in there, right? Yeah, exactly. I send them two hundred and fifty dollars, yeah. and I have two hundred and fifty dollars yeah. worth of currency in there. What's the next step? Yeah. So once a customer has their order, they're going to download an application that we made, and we'll down. You can download it to your computer, and that will that will actually be the brains behind mm-hmm. all that's going on. And the key is really just the safe. The oh, key okay. is the thing that has your private keys on it. It's encrypted. And the application will interact with the key to make sure that it's secure and that it will manage your key securely. So if the Amazon guy puts puts the key in the wrong mailbox, yeah. I'm not out my $250 exactly. of crypto. Yeah. So there's, it's empty when you ship. It's it. actually, uh, it doesn't have crypto on it when it's in transit. Mm-hmm. And then only once you activate it at home, will there be some uh, software that will then load it up at your home locally. And then you can put it in a safe place. So what about getting, so say someone wants to cash out, do you guys streamline that process as well? Or are they kind of on their own, like going to an exchange? Like at what, at what point do you stop holding their hands and uh, sure. let them interact with the greater crypto yeah. world? So this is really a great question. We did a pilot in, earlier this year. And when we sold, we sold uh, this like first product to learn like how people would handle it. What are the things that we did that were good? And what are the things that we did that, that we can improve upon? For that reason, we have a base of customers, some of whom have asked this question. Okay. Okay. So what we've learned is it's hard to actually convert, right? Mm-hmm. And that offers us an opportunity to provide them with more resources. And so we've had people come back and say, this was awesome. You helped me buy, you know, some, some obscure token that's really hard to buy. And I really like to try something else, right? So we'll issue guides. We have an educational platform where we create content that will provide that information to people and give them a step-by-step tutorial on how to do that. Sometimes uh, if someone is in great need, like we'll actually get on the phone with them or get online with them and walk them through that whole process. Okay. So this uh, so, so is... So another name for your product is Crypto Made Easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's the Crypt, theme, right? Crypto for yeah. dummies. One. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the principle that guides everything we do, there, there's a few. One is we're customer-driven, meaning we'll only build things that our customers really want and, and that they value. Two, it's that rather than just being transactional, we're educational. So for everything that's either difficult for someone to do or something that's difficult to understand... We'll either publish content to help them understand that, or we'll create a solution to to make that whole process easy, right? And so with the the marvel of something new and big like cryptocurrency is there's no shortage of things to build, right? And you don't have to all fight for this like zero-sum game. Uh, and what we believe is that for all the resources being applied to blockchain solutions, to exchanges, to new like currencies... There's a huge opportunity to take over education, consumer onboarding or on-ramps, and then another phase of adoption that I see going on in the future, which is using crypto to buy or share things. Because right now, there's really nothing easily gettable. It's really mm-hmm. difficult to use your cryptocurrency. And so that's the, like the path that we see ahead yeah, in, the I, coming, in the coming months. I, I like projects like yours. Um, where you're essentially making the world a better place while you're making an interesting product in the sense that you are providing education as like a, a key focus of what you guys are doing. And ultimately like 
when the, that's what, I mean, this is one of the biggest barriers for, for crypto, the cryptocurrency world as a whole is, is education. And so if you create a product where people have invested their money, so they feel more motivated to like actually learn about it now. And, and then you provide that step-by-step guide. I really like that. And actually we're at a studio where PK and his co-founders were actually just recording an educational video Khan Academy style. So that'll be kind of interesting to see how that turns out. So I, I can see like just based on the location we're at, <laughs> we're at the very studio where you guys are producing the video. So I can see how, how yeah. education focused you guys are, which is cool. Yeah. So I want to know like what kind of technology goes into building these things. Like how, how do you make sure that this is secure? Like you were mentioning. Sure. Uh, do, do you guys like build your own wallet? Like how, how does all that process yeah. work? So there, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of careful consideration that goes into this. Whenever you're handling money that belongs to you, you have to be really, really careful with it. When you handle money that doesn't belong to you, you have to be even more careful with that. And so uh, from the very beginning, we wanted to to make sure that that whatever it is we we offer to people, that their funds are safe. A great example is this, this decision to ship these USB drives, but without having cryptocurrency on them, right? Okay. So... Obviously, like if you send out enough of these things, eventually someone's going to get wise to it and start lifting them in transit, right? The technology involved, we use some a military grade encryption. It's a protocol that's that's pretty widely used. And so it's just called like one way encryption, right? So Bitcoin uses SHA-256. Uh, we use some of that in, in our encryption uh, protocol, but in, inevitably we use uh the military grade standard for making it virtually impossible for someone to break uh, break the the passwords that you have on here or get to your private keys. Now, if the user starts to share that information with people, it will compromise the security. Right. But basically, nothing on there is easily readable. So we make sure that so that that takes place. Now. That is usually the weakest link. What you mentioned about the user giving out the information. Yeah. Do you cover this in your training material? Right? Yeah. Because yeah. oftentimes, you know, and it's even happened to some to some pro traders. Uh, recently, I think somebody lost like three million dollars because they were doing a podcast, and unfortunately, they had the keys on the screen being displayed, and the camera caught it or something like that. We do not have any of our keys on the screen right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you cover? In, in your onboarding process, the basics, I'm guessing you do. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in fact, what our customers will, will sort of discover as soon as they get their product, the box that it ships with actually has instructions on the inside to start out even before you plug this thing in. Okay. And one of the items on the instructions is never ever share your Perfect. key or your password. And, and so we, you know, we emphasize that at all times and it's a wonderful, sort of initial experience little thing. And I think it adds to the fun of getting started with crypto. It's just, it's, it's as fun as the first time I got an iPod, right? Or the first time I got an iPhone. It comes in this case and you're, you're really interested in like how it works. It's this unboxing experience. Yeah, too. it's really, really cool. So we try our best to replicate that kind of experience and make it fun for anyone who naturally like doesn't already have their cryptocurrency. Cause I think getting Bitcoin has pretty much been solved, right? Like a lot of people are tackling that problem. How do you yeah. get someone to buy Bitcoin? Right. But once you dig past the top five, 
it's not that easy. It's really hard. Yeah. Like, yeah. Last year, everything was running up. And every week you might hear another coin that was really hot. I remember when like IOTA. Yeah, IOTA was a IOTA, big one. Yeah. Like, Once IOTA, this yeah. is incredible, right? And yeah. Ripple was there, right? Yeah. And so naturally, like I'm in tech, right? I, I understand this stuff. I did not know how to get this. Like yeah. I didn't know, right? So the C blocks experience is meant not really to fulfill the Bitcoin buy. It's to fulfill like the all these else. other cool cryptos that are out there. They all have their own story, right? And you get to be a part of that story, depending on like which five you get, right? So, so that's why it's, it's really fun. Now I could see how some experts of different fields may have an issue with the product, right? So you are using mili- military grade encryption, as you called it, mm-hmm. but. You know, in the Bitcoin world, everything is ultra secure, you know, and yeah. if, if you get the hardware wallet, you have to enter your little code and you know, two factor yeah. authentication, not plugged in. Exactly. Um, so I could see how some security experts might be like the eyes are rolling back and saying, Oh my God, that's not the level of security that I personally would accept. And perhaps some traders are saying, well, you know, you're, you're not using a, a real true trading platform. Yeah. That's not, that's not enough for us. Yeah. What, what would you say to, to those people? Yeah, sure. So this is a great point. And I love that so, so much attention is, is being, is focused on security and it's, it's important institutions themselves, like people with a lot of money. One of the huge impediments that keep them from getting into cryptocurrency, they're not, they're not comfortable with the security level. Mm-hmm. And one of the themes in 2018 is this is the year that institutions are coming in. And it's also the year that custodial services will mature. Well, it turns out you need the custodial services first to then build the gateway for the institutions. Right. Yeah. Right? We just had someone on our podcast who's. Like you're doing the the consumer end and they're doing the institution. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. So I'm pretty familiar with that. And, you know, a lot of people who don't know the inner workings of financial institutions, these primary broker dealers and a lot of their, their vendors provide enormously valuable services. My response to anyone who would be critical of how we handle security and how we teach that to end users is that we try to balance between making something secure and also useful while educating our customer to be, to follow like good practices, right? right? The other thing I would mention is we emphasize the need for an individual to take responsibility over their own choices and saying, look, this is probably not the best way for you to handle an enormous amount of wealth or the amount of resources that you can't afford to lose. So that's why, for example, like we don't have a product that sells like $20,000 of crypto on it. We think that that would just be not the best use of, of this particular right. like user story. Let's just put on just enough for, for it to be interesting and for it to compel people as a catalyst to learn about it. Uh, because the point isn't to buy C-Block and get rich. Yeah. The point is to buy C-Block to get started with crypto and to actually get in on what it's all about. Because what we found also is there are customers who are are super interested, but they don't have the technical expertise, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, but they can. Yeah, but if they get, let's say, like a coin, a token called Steam, they might then say, like, I own Steam. What's Steam? And Steam's a really cool platform right. where you get paid or you pay 
for reviews and yeah. like sharing things for blogging. Yeah, for exactly. Up. So yeah. You're, you're creating a, a, a crypto fan base through your product, basically. Yeah. 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 So I want to, I want to pivot now. We've talked a lot about C blocks and I want to, I want to pivot more about the meta side, like the, the business side of what you guys are doing. So, um, I know you guys have had a lot of early success, which, uh, I want to kind of dig apart for the, the entrepreneurs in the audience. Sure. So you guys were making like, um, like th- you made $35,000 in like a month or, or a week or something like that and had like this kind of supercharged, uh, start. How did that happen? Like, could you explain a little bit of that story? Sure. Austin Bunsen and Mario Guayo, they're my co-founders. So the three of us form the core team. And one of the, one of the things that we wanted to do was have questions answered without having to do all the work to, to actually do it ahead of time. In other words, we didn't want to have to make bets with what would happen. We just wanted to get, could, would, would people actually buy some, buy this, right? So we, do, we created a storefront that asked people like, Hey, would you buy this? And asked them to actually like make a transaction, right? So, so um, you essentially put like a pre-order type of thing. There's a rapid prototype. Okay. Right. Like here's, here's what we're proposing. Would you buy this? Put your money down here. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so the theme there is we could sit in a room and go in circles about what the right thing to do is, mm-hmm. uh, or we could just put it out and see like what happens. Yeah, market test it. Exactly. And so I think it's really easy to get bogged into the details of developing a product and trying to be ultra fine with like what the perfect product should be. But our approach instead is to contact our users, contact potential users, uh, even contact people who don't like our product and okay. try to get like very, very high touch with what they like and what they don't like and what problems are we solving. So for us to get 30,000 of revenue in 30 days, it wasn't that we expected that to happen. It was that that's what we discovered happened mm-hmm. when we just tested it. So it was a surprise to you as well. It was a surprise to us. So you, you guys were just like running an experiment and happened to hit on the you were, you were, you were swinging the pick and then you struck the gold just on accident, essentially. Oh, on accident, yeah. <laughs> Quick question. How much of that do you think was timing? I, 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 I what, what time frame are we yeah. talking about here? Was it like when crypto was really taken off and it was like on, on CNBC and Bloomberg sure. every other day or? So we launched in 2018. And so I think 2018 has been a really tough year. Okay. Uh, for crypto. And so mm-hmm. what's incredible as well is that People are still interested despite, the let's just say, <laughs> let's just say like price impairment, right? Yeah, we can use um, that word. Yeah. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> and the resilience of cryptocurrency is just phenomenal, right? Like the more recent headlines have been the, the Bank of International Settlements just like released a statement saying, like, please stop trying to make money. Uh, there, there are just so many people who have a need to get up like online and start just saying like Bitcoin's a scam. And yet there's still like huge yeah. demand for it. You know, there are lots of people who speculate about the value of this stuff, but I think there there's more opportunity to educate people than there is to leverage speculation. And the reason I say that is research has shown 70 to 80% of people in developed countries have heard of crypto, okay. right? Mm-hmm. But the percentage of people who own any is less than 10%. So there's a gap of 60 to 70% of the market who don't own crypto. Who's really interested or at least. But they've heard of it, it yeah. right? And so are we going to target the 5 to 10% that are already in it and try to juice them for more trades or like 
try to get them to buy our coin instead of, instead yeah, of someone yeah, else's coin. Yeah, yeah. Rather than do that, why don't we target 60 to 70% that are being underserved by products that are too complicated to use, right? That aren't really tailored to an ordinary person. Right. So, so that, that that barrier to you is is education. You're yeah. uh, are you saying you're essentially an educational company? Yeah, it, it definitely goes hand in hand with the product. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so the the belief is that the more comfortable people are with it by using it in small amounts, right, as like a way to discover like what it's all about, the more likely they'll enjoy using the product and they'll enjoy using cryptocurrency. And, and realize it's not a criminal act. It's not something to be scared of. Okay. It's actually really, really cool. We recently had someone in another country ask us for help because they signed up for our wait list. They were curious about the product and we engaged them. We said, you know, like, what are you trying to do? Like, what's your background? And they're a hairstylist in Canada. And she said that it was too difficult to learn how to buy cryptocurrency. So we shared with her how to create her own wallet. And then as like a bonus, we said, once you set up your wallet and you send us your public address, like we'll send you some Bitcoin. And, oh, wow. Right. And it's really fun because if you try to do that using bank accounts, it just wouldn't happen. Right. right. Like it just, even it's, if people. free money and people are like. Mm. <laughs> or, <laughs> just, or if I have a friend in Canada who needs like 20 bucks or if I want to send them like something nice or whatever, it's yeah. really hard. Yeah. And then, uh, you layer on top of that, you layer on top of that, like that the banks don't even like talk to each other that well. So for someone who says, Hey, like Venmo is good enough. Uh, I don't know if I could Venmo my hairstylist friend in Canada. And, and we did it. Like it was super easy and it was fun. Right. So and, and I don't think Venmoing is as special of an experience as say getting crypto for the first time i think there's something special about getting magic internet money yeah <laughs> you can talk to your friends about it now all of a sudden you're like the expert in your circle yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know so um i want to i want to circle back to the point that we were originally discussing um which is kind of like this this entrepreneurial principle that you uh you brought up of of market testing you guys created uh essentially like a, a front front end store without actually building a product and this is something I've heard from other like entrepreneurial advisory things uh, where they talk about, you know, when you have an idea, you don't just you don't just like build a product and like do a, a technology push. It's much better to go something where there's market demand for it. And you guys saw that you guys saw like there's this 80 percent of people who've heard of crypto who haven't actually bought any. And mm-hmm. so you guys saw this market opportunity and then you went a step further and actually tested it by building a front end store, which is cool. What are some of the other lessons you think sure. that you guys have uh, have come across in your in your short time? Sure. So yeah. So this this uh, these principles that are like well cited, their foundation is the lean startup. Mm-hmm. So this has been for almost twenty years now. This concept of going to your customers first instead of building your product and then trying to figure out how to sell it. You find find the problem you're trying to solve, validate the problem, update or create your product, and then there's a feedback loop. And very successful companies adhere to these principles. I touched upon earlier, like rapid prototyping. Part of that is fundamentally being uh, customer driven. So what we do is we make it a point to interview or get in touch with at least one of our customers, like on a regular basis. Um, and actually, like, it's amazing when you reach out to people, they say, yeah, sure. Like, give me a call. 
So when you hear someone on the other line, I've heard things like, I love your product because you don't ask me to like scan a barcode, like a QR code. Or uh, and, write, I don't... and write down 24 <laughs> words. Yeah, <laughs> or write down 24 words. Or uh, even if it's not about our product, we ask general questions like, what are quality resources that you use for fun or for educational purposes? Because the, the more uh, connected we are to our customers, the easier it is for us to decide how to devote our time, right? Because time is scarce for all of us. And we think we know what we should be doing. But the point isn't to be to predict correctly. The point is just to listen to what our customers want and then to provide that. I think it's like famously said that Ford is like, I'd rather if my customers uh, asked me what to provide them, it would have been a faster horse. That may be true, mm-hmm. uh, but I also believe that if you're in tune with what the customer problems are, they may not provide you with the literal solution that they're looking for, but they will provide you with enough to know, like, as a team, here's what we should be doing. Right. And and it also allows you to course correct, right? Yeah. So if you sort of guess wrong and you, you go through this and you're going to find out you were wrong at some point, but in reaching out to your customers... And talking to them, they'll let you know, hey, you may need to do something else or even some new product that you may not have thought of. Yeah, it's incredible. So I want to emphasize, like, when someone places an order for a C-block, they can't pick and choose which currencies they want to buy, which sounds like not the best customer experience. Like, there may be people who are really savvy that understand, like, oh, like, this coin isn't worth anything. I don't want that. Yeah, I've heard about IOTA. I want that. I want right, IOTA. right. <laughs> and, it, and it turns out, like, while some of our customers have asked us for the ability to pick and choose what they want to buy, most people don't complain. Most people are just like, this is cool because you didn't, I don't have to do the the hardcore analysis, mm-hmm. right? It's most difficult. Most people are lazy, and, and the I think this is a theme in every everything these days the faster and easier you can make it people will sacrifice agency 90 percent of the time in order to give up in order to get things streamlined and easy for them yeah and it's it's difficult it's not it's not just you know there's always the the part of the people that are lazy but for a lot of folks that are hearing about it that they want to get started it's they just don't know how, like, where, where do you start? We forget that, you know, not everybody has access to even our level of knowledge. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, the five random cryptocurrency, that's not, that's not just like a random thing that we came up with. It's the result of doing research and finding out from people, well, if they had the ability to choose, it would make the whole process much more difficult. They would have to like actually decide, which are the five that they want? Is mm-hmm. it a good price? What's the team? And there'd be and so, so many more buttons to click. There'd be so yeah. much more mental work for them. And they'd probably give up halfway through the process. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe, maybe it'll be like a premium product, like five years down the road, if there's enough customers, but, but even then maybe. Well, I, I could see perhaps maybe there's a lot of onboarding once, once they've gotten to a certain level, perhaps if you reach out to them and then they start asking you more questions. Well, this, so, you know, Things evolve, and like the the great thing about what cryptocurrency is doing is it mo- it's moving really really quickly, mm-hmm. right? And so I think the problem that we're looking to solve today will be less of a problem in the future, and it's pretty exciting to think of how C blocks can mature with our customer, right? So if you think about how we have people like have matured with technology 
from 30 years ago, you know, when it was hard to get an email address, mm-hmm. you had to like log in to either like a listserv or a telnet and you have to like really, really be savvy. Mm-hmm. Um, the products matured with the consumer, right? And so what I see happening is, you know, C blocks and other companies at this stage will mature with as the consumer feels comfortable and gets more sort of interested and, and sees what, what digital currencies are good for. The products will mature too. What's really cool is I'm old enough to remember when the internet was a thing, when mobile devices was a thing, social media, right? And they always kind of start in the same way where people are kind of scared. And there's a few nerdy, there's a core nerdy group who will actually like be the early adopters and tell everyone how awesome it is. And everyone will be like, what's that internet thing? Yeah, it's amazing. And then how quickly. Why do I need that when I have a phone? And then how, how quickly we just like forget how hard it was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I remember signing up for like a credit card and buying something online for the first time, uh, posting a photo on the internet. Right. Like all these things, they used to be taboo. They used to be like, oh, that's not safe. Like this isn't good. Yeah. Or, it's, you know, and it's still not perfectly safe, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. It's a story for a different day. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's, that's just the way it go, goes. I mean, I remember when online dating was like, oh my God, you're going to get killed. And now oh, it's yeah. like, it was super like, taboo. Well, yeah. Now it's like 50 something percent of the yeah. people are online dating. But yes, it, there's, we, we sort of forget sort of bringing it back how difficult things were at one point. And you saw that with cryptocurrencies, this was still happening. Yeah, this is what we're trying to solve today. I don't think we're going to be tackling this very problem like way out into the future. I'm really excited about all the things that can be happening. And there are there's a huge ecosystem of people developing stuff concurrently, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really exciting. It's not just about like where the prices are Although sometimes it's really interesting to know where the prices are. It's, it's much more interesting when you think about how we can use it to connect with each other. How can we use it to like achieve our goals, to provide for our families, to progress, right? And so that's going to be the later stages of this game. So let me ask you one quick question. If you were to say, now obviously you haven't spoken with all of your customers, but if you were to say, give me a, a percentage of how many of the people that you sell this product to are really tied to the price or they're really tied, they're really more interested in the learning process? It's a, okay, so this is a really good question. I couldn't believe this. So we we did this pilot earlier this year to test or validate the product, the original C-Block product, which is, you know, the one that we're selling uh, now is an advancement of that. The original C-Block product, if it was about the price in a market that was impaired, I would have expected customers to come back to us with some pretty strong feedback. Why is my C block, you know, value like less valuable than before? Buy, yeah. yeah. We've re- we received one like refund request out of our whole customer list. Was that after the crash so they, <laughs> so they made money off of it? Yeah, so <laughs> their 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 criticism was rightful. Their criticism wasn't about the market. It was uh with our our ability to fulfill their order. They didn't get their order in a timely way. Sure. Uh, we had a backlog and, and they just like didn't want to wait any longer. Yeah. So they asked for their money back. Okay. So in fact, it's really amazing to me. We have not received calls or requests for refund because of the market crashing. So why is that? I think it's a combination of things. One, 
people didn't buy it to make money. They bought it because it was interesting. They bought okay. it because they were like curious. Two, they're, the value isn't so much in like how much it's worth. The value is in either giving it as a gift for a loved one, just being involved in something that's new and different, right? And so that says to me that you don't have to cater to traders to, to be involved in business and cryptocurrencies. Right. But but if, if you had to guess, I still want that number. Just it's a guess. Nobody's going to hold you to uh-huh. it. What percentage would you say of of the people that buy this product are in it for something other than the price? Oh, I'll have to get back to you on that. <laughs> I'll have to get back okay, to you. On okay. that. That's a really good question yeah. that I don't think we have that on our like customer survey. Okay. We tend to leave it much more open ended. Like what is it that compelled you to place an order? Mm-hmm. And most of the responses are like, I read about it. Usually when you read about it, it's because of the price. Yes. Yes. Right. So I think most of the draw is in the speculative fever as opposed to the technological marvel of it all. Right. I think yeah. most people don't even really quite understand. They're just like, the my friend is a Bitcoin millionaire. I want to get on that too. <laughs> yeah. But I could, I could see how some people sort of want to try out the waters and yeah. that's, that's, Pretty mm. educational you, learning. You come for the speculation, you stay for the education. <laughs> <laughs> so we are we are getting low on time. Uh, I want to ask: Is there anything that we haven't covered that you would like the audience to know, or the uh, that the audience needs to know? Sure. So I, w- I was thinking long and hard about what what life was like when I had like a flip phone, and if someone had shown me an iPhone, this is amazing. Why would why didn't we think of this before? Or like before any, any, like the before and after of any like new technology. Right. And so what I would say is the fixation on the price is one thing of cryptocurrency, but the things that are getting built that we haven't yet seen, cause it's like so early is really just incredible. If you can, if, if any of your listeners are pessimistic or skeptical about cryptocurrency, it helps to just pick one, right? Just pick one. You can choose a random one. Yeah. Right. And spend about 20 minutes learning about it. And, and it, that, because the, the markets are too easy to, to synthesize like on the, on the quick, right? To just watch graphs and then make an, and make, make a snap judgment about its quality. I'm not asking anyone to like know the ins and outs on a technical level, but just get like an understanding of the narrative. Doing that little by little will make cryptocurrency much more approachable because most of the projects are not scams. Most of the projects really do have like an actual mission with an actual team and they're really interesting, right? And so instead of getting sort of caught up in like how to get crypto wealthy, the wealth I think comes naturally with the combination of insight, thoughtfulness and engagement. The wealth will come. But if you're just chasing money, it's it's going to be a long haul, right? Yeah. And there are probably more stable investments before cryptocurrency that should make up the majority of your portfolio. And a smaller amount should be crypto as it is anyway, just for volatility reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's definitely a lot of folks that, you know, put probably a bit more than they should have into yeah. it. And uh, now, we're, now we're in the uh, downturn. What was the word you used? What did I say? Like an impairment? Price, impairment. Price, price, price impairment. Price yeah. impairment. Yeah. <laughs> Value handicap. I don't know. <laughs> I just want to come up with like 10 different ways you can say price going down. Yeah. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> 
Okay, so how can people find more about you? Sure. So I'm on Twitter at PKBanks99. I don't tweet much because I find it... I like Twitter because it's it's great source for, for content and to learn. Mm-hmm. You can find me there and you can DM me there. Just because I don't tweet much doesn't mean I'm not on it. Busy building, guys. Just trying to build a business here. <laughs> and then you can check out our site at cblocks.io. Our, uh, our product and everything that uh, you need to know about it is there. Now, there are our listeners going to find a bit more educational material on it. Is it going to tell them what it, you know, more than what we talked about here? Yeah. How they can get it, all of that. Yes. All of that information will be on there. We also are issuing and refreshing content of that, uh, of guides to provide as much, um, like free resources as possible. Then you can either sign up for our wait list or if you're in Canada, you can order our product. You can reach out to me if you want some details on, like, as we're rolling the product out to other places, uh, what our timelines are looking like. Cool. Well, I think that about covers it. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been fun doing this podcast in person. We should definitely do more of these in-person ones. Uh, Normally, when we do the podcast, you guys who aren't seeing the setup, normally we're, we're separated by, you know, thousands of miles oftentimes on an online interface. So doing this live in person thing, uh, I think, uh, adds a little bit of energy that hopefully you guys heard. Yeah, adds a lot of energy. Adds a lot of energy. You could see the excitement about. Yeah. All of us like to talk with our hands. And so there's (laughs) a lot of, there's a lot of hand waving that I wish you guys could have seen in the background. Yeah. But anyway, uh, have a great day, guys. And, uh, hopefully you learned something. I think I did. Yeah. We'll see you. All right. Thank you for listening to a bit cryptic podcast. A Big Cryptic podcast is hosted by Alain Leon, Dang Du, and myself, Jeff Peterson. Show notes are by our editor-in-chief, Dang Du. Show production and editing is done by the miracle maker, Joanna Marie Nicholas. Website is by Sammy Toucan and his team at Pack Surge Media. Remember, nothing we say in this show is meant to be financial advice. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends and family. Thank you for listening, and remember... Keep it cryptic.